Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hey, Leader of Learning, welcome back for another episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about making learning interactive, and I know you'll get a lot of value out of it. But before we get there, I just wanted to take a minute here and talk about the Leader of Learning newsletter. You may have noticed that in the last episode with Jeff Gargas and Ray Hewitt from the Teach Better team and Teach Better Talk podcast, we ran a giveaway. And the first thing I asked listeners to do or anyone who wanted to enter that giveaway for a free Teach Better book was to subscribe to our list. Well, it's no secret in a lot of ways that more newsletter subscribers equal potential more listeners to the podcast. But for me, it's more than that. I think I shared on here recently that my one word for 2020 and sort of my resolution in this new year is to make a greater impact. I want to continue to make a greater impact with this podcast and with all that I do with the Leader of Learning brand. And so I just wanted to take a second and ask you that if you are someone who gets a lot of value from this podcast and think that you may be able to get a lot of value from what I'm sharing in our newsletter that I send out at least every week, then go ahead and visit leaderoflearning.com slash subscribe or leaderoflearning.com slash news. Any subscriber to my email list automatically has the ability to download my free ebook, Transforming Education One Mindset at a Time. Thank you so much in advance for going ahead and subscribing to the list. Now, on to talking about this episode. For the second time in a row, believe it or not, this episode features two guests. These guests are, in fact, a married couple. They are Joe and Kristen Merrill, or more affectionately known as The Merrills. I first connected with Joe and Kristen a couple of years ago, and after I started following them on social media, I realized just how much they pour into both their family and especially their careers. Joe is a first grade teacher, Kristen is a fourth grade teacher, and they share so much about what they are doing to engage their students and make learning super fun and super interactive. They just published their first book, The Interactive Class, and I'm just really excited for you to listen to this interview that I did with the Merrills. Here it is. All right, I'm happy to bring on in this episode, the Merrills. Joe and Kristen Merrill share a passion for infusing ed tech into their fourth and first grade classrooms. They have a combined 19 years of teaching experience, and I'll let them take it away the rest of the way with their introductions, but uh, also new authors, and we're excited to talk about the book as well. Before we get there, Joe, Kristen, if you could please introduce yourself, introduce yourselves to the listeners and let us know who you are, where you are, and what you do. I guess we'll start with Joe. Okay. Uh, my name is Joe, and I'm a uh, first grade teacher. 
Um, I've been teaching first grade for the majority of my career, and I really enjoy it just because it gives me a chance to kind of prove people wrong with uh, those that kind of doubt the fact that kids that are six and seven years old can't use technology and integrate it into the standards and, and use it responsibly. So it's kind of a passion of mine to try to make sure that uh, kids that age group are able to work beyond the expectations and kind of show that they can be shining stars when it comes to utilizing technology. Yeah, and I'm Kristen, a.k.a. The Better Merrill. No, oh. not really. Uh, and I'm a fourth grade teacher. I have uh, been in fourth grade my entire 13 years of teaching. Um, it's my favorite grade. It's really the only grade. But I call myself the dinosaur fourth. And uh, I just love making learning student-centered. And I'm just really passionate about letting students kind of discover their learning and being creative and collaborative with each other. And every day is an adventure, that's for sure. That's awesome. You know, first of all, um, we've only met briefly. I think it was at uh, ISTE in Chicago, maybe. And and I want to say we we shared some uh, Chicago style hot dogs together or some kind of meal. But, um, you know, I feel like ever since I've known you and, and certainly followed you, I can sense and, and even from the commonalities that you both just spoke to in just your introductions that uh, bringing out not only student passions, but um, just student excellence is something that you guys share in common and that you really exude in terms of what you're sharing on social media, as far as I can tell. But it's clear that that's what's really happening in your classrooms. And so I guess I, I, I first just kind of wanted to start with like, where did that come from? How did that come about? Uh, I mean, I, I read in the introduction, you guys have 19 years of teaching experience, which sounds like a lot. But when you think about it combined, you know, you guys have been doing this for a little while and and I guess all the while you've had this ability to really try and bring out the best in students. Where did that come from? Um, well, I can take this one. I'll start this one off. I remember the day sitting in my classroom, you know, probably a couple years into teaching, working on centers or schedules or something and, and sitting there thinking, why am I doing it this way? Why are there five groups? Why does the schedule have to be this way? And it was kind of an epiphany for me, the idea that it doesn't have to be. You know, I, I'm doing it this way because that's how everyone else has always done it. And I started changing things up, whether it was the order that the standards were presented in or, or the groupings or the times or integrating subjects together. And with every little change, when you make changes that are based on students' needs over your own comfort or ease, it works. It may not be easy, but it works. And you start to see changes in your students. You start to see more buy-in and more excitement. And then you get kind of this snowball and it just keeps going and going and going and you feed off of that. And so for me, the kids have kind of helped me with that passion because it's not always easy. There have been times I've come home in tears thinking that I'm not making any impact and, you know, and, but when you really start making your decisions based on what students need and what is relevant and responsive to students, then they will start responding back to you. Do you agree, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to, you know, kind of piggyback off of that. I think that for me, at least, um, this was about the age where I really developed a passion for reading. Um, but unfortunately, shortly after that is also where I kind of fell out of that love because, you know, that's that second grade, first grade, second grade year. First grade's huge for learning how to read. Uh, and second grade, you kind of become more independent with that. But what was happening with me was that I was having to read things that were being forced down my throat, and I didn't want to do that. So for me, establishing that passion for reading and finding ways for the kids to be able to just take ownership and be, uh, you know, the, the uh, producers of content rather than the consumers is a really big part 
of uh, what I think we need to do and what I hope that we are doing in our classrooms and uh, just making sure that the kids create some type of memory in class where they can uh, mm-hmm. remember, you know, everything that's happening throughout the unit. And so it doesn't become so monotonous and like, you know, uh, uh, systematic where they have to go back and, and go through the unit and study, you know, piece by piece, but rather they can recall that information through experience. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, I, I do want to, I guess for a minute, sort of keep it real, keep it 100. Let's just say that I have a listener who's tuning in right now saying, you know, I really try my best to bring out the best in, in my students and make learning really interactive, just like the Merrills are doing. But man, it's hard. And and just like Kristen, I do go home and every night I am crying and, and I just don't seem to be getting through to every student. So if we keep it real for a second, let's be honest here, right? It doesn't, it may not work 100% of the time. What about tips or tricks that you might have tried or, or you can recommend or advise for teachers when it isn't quite working out for everyone or it just doesn't seem to be sinking in for one, two, three students in the room. I can take this one. Um, You know, I I completely understand that. And, you know, we've all been there. I think the important thing to remember is that you're going to have some type of failure. Um, the the main thing to remember, though, is just that don't give up on it. Because if you start off with an application, let's say, and uh, you're trying to embed that into the standards, get the, get the kids using the technology, and let's say that the Wi-Fi drops, you know? That's not the kid's fault. That's not your fault. Those things happen. But just having the perseverance to work through some of that and also just being familiar with the app yourself so that way you can try to help troubleshoot through some of the processes. Um, And also I would say, you know, don't start off uh, with a new application with something that's going to be pretty complex. Keep it simple at first. Uh, You know, like a lot of people, for example, will ask, well, how do you start with Flipgrid? Uh, And I would recommend using an icebreaker to start off with that because it's simple. The kids learn the features and how it works and how they can talk back and forth to one another. And uh, it kind of develops that uh, understanding of how the applications work. And then they can really bounce to the next level through the, uh, the knowledge and understanding of how it all works. You're so funny because like you took that question the exact so differently than I did. I looked at it more as a like a heart question. Like there are some kids that are just stinkers, you know, and sometimes you're not reaching them and you're not hitting them. When you say they're stinkers, you mean they they just just, are not going to do school like it's just not for them? Yeah, they don't want to do school or they're those kids that. You know, they try to turn it off the computer or they try to do something differently because they know it's going to rub you the wrong way. And when I heard you describing that you come home and you feel like you're not reaching all of them, it's true. And and you, you have to give yourself some grace in that. But those are the kids that I go home and I say, okay, you know, let's say I'm a math teacher and I'm teaching fractions. That kid doesn't need fractions tomorrow. That's not what's going to help him because he's going through something different. You know, and, and, and part of our book, we talk about being responsive and meeting kids where they are. And, and we also talk about... There's a little bit, not a ton, about brain theory and, and when you when they come to school. And if that child's coming to school upset, frustrated, um, discouraged, feeling unconfident, he's not going to learn anything anyway. And so you have to develop relationships, especially with those kinds of kids, far before you can ever teach them any content. And so sometimes if you have someone like that and you're coming home feeling really discouraged, maybe flip the lens, flip on how you're viewing them and think, okay, th- I can't get to them through this activity or this engagement, but why? What's going on? And, and often if you just sit and ask, they may have a, a hard exterior at first, but I bet very quickly they'll tell you or you'll get a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on. And when they see that you really care about what's going on with them, again, putting student-centered, that relationship will change and you need to have you need to be responsive and reactive to be interactive with those kids. That's great. You know, if if I might, 
um, to sort of, I guess, draw some conclusions again to what both of you are saying. I think I'm hearing things like uh, absolutely, you know, 100% build relationships, maintain relationships and use those relationships to your advantage uh, to tap into students, especially if they're not quite seeming to buy into, you know, whatever it is that, that you're trying in your classroom. And also, I think both of you spoke to the fact that um, you can't take it personally. You know, if a student is having a tough time, if they're not picking it up right away, if they just seem resistant or even like combatant to uh, toward you or what you're trying in, in your classroom instructionally or technologically, uh, that's okay. You know, and it's, it doesn't mean that you have to take it personally just because it's something you're trying. I think Joe said this too, like, don't give up, you know, try something else and, until maybe you do find something that, uh, that they like. I was going to say, you know, some of that too, um, and at least what we've noticed is a lot of teachers are just afraid to try things. And I think some of it is just fear. And then they quickly realize that the kids are already comfortable with these types of tools. And so it's really funny because, you know, they get really apprehensive. And then the next thing they know, they're like, wow, my life is so much easier using these tools. I wish I would have started them sooner. And I think a lot of that is just a testament to the different times that we're in. So actually, Joe, let's stick with that thought for a second, uh, because you kind of just triggered in me the fact that I've had conversations with members of my PLN before about the term risk. And I feel like in, in my career and in my research right now, risk taking is huge. And I think you just alluded to it. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know like your take on risk. You know, I've, I, I guess the reason I'm asking is because I've heard people say before that teachers, you know, just trying new things in their class or, or instructionally is not really a risk because there's not that much to lose. Uh, I disagree, but I'm wondering what's your take on that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think when it all comes down, what it all comes down to is just, you know, what are your standards and, and how are you going to deliver that content in a way where the kids are going to remember it? You know, if your students are working on a project, it, it shouldn't be information that you've given to them and said, okay, here's this, this, and really they're the ones that need to be providing that information to you, you know, and I think a, a lot of it too is, you know, that conversation back and forth between you and the students and talking about, okay, what's the next step going to be, you know, kind of just like pushing them in the right direction, but not necessarily just feeding the content to them. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's a huge challenge, especially, you know, for, for teachers who are just coming up because we're so used to saying, okay, you know, this is the, this is what we have to study and this is what we're going to learn. And uh, it's a challenge. It really is. But I think the risk definitely outweigh, uh, you know, the outcomes, because once the kids actually go through the process and they're able to show their learning and demonstrate their learning, it really takes it to a whole new level. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm glad you said that, that the, the risk kind of outweighs the reward, if you will, uh, because really the reward at the end of the day potentially is that students are super engaged, super active in their learning. And really, what's the risk? You're trying something new or maybe you may fail, but in the in the process, you're still learning about how to make your instruction more engaging more active. And speaking of active or interactive learning, let's dive into the book now if, if, uh, if we could. And, and I know that the, that's why you guys are here. And, and I'm happy to push this book. I will say that since it's so new, I haven't gotten my hands on a copy yet, but I'm looking forward to reading it. And uh, I, I would love, Kristen, if you could tell the audience kind of, you know, what this book is all about and jump into what you guys talk about in the book and, and uh, you know, what I guess what your goals were in, in putting it out there. Sure. Um, I have to say that writing a book was never something we had kind of earmarked to do. We just enjoyed sharing our classrooms on social media and a great friend of ours kind of advocated that we needed to share our thinking and, and kind of the makeup of our teaching and learning. And now here we are with this book and we're super excited. We tried our best to write it in a way that wasn't pigeonholed to a specific grade or a specific subject or area. There are lots of things in there that are technology based and there's a lot of things that aren't so we really tried to make it as, um, as you know, appealing to everyone. But the way the book is written is it's got two parts. And so in the first section, it's all of the why we do what we do. It talks about what is interactive learning and kind of the framework for designing lessons under that um, interactive framework, how to build uh, interactive relationships with your students, with parents, with your PLN, with people around you, and just the importance of, of doing that for you as a teacher and for your students as they're learning and then the second half of the book, which is Mr. Merle's favorite, is it all is. of the how we do it. And so we went through some of our favorite um, EdTech apps. We kind of explain what they are and what they're capable of doing if you're new to them. And then we give a whole slew of lessons that we've done in our own classroom with like step-by-step instructions. And some of them, if you needed like maybe a template or a background for something, we've even included those freebies in the book. So the book itself is actually interactive. And then so that teachers can not only read why we do what we do and learn a little bit about that, but then they can just take things and use it right away in their classroom. Cool. And okay, so you just mentioned that there is definitely a part of the book. And I mean, to me, this is obvious because since I follow you guys, I know how big into ed tech you are. And um, there there are, it seems anyway, that there are certain uh, go-to tools, but I can also see you guys just like app smashing like crazy and using so many. So I guess my question is like, what are some of your, of your favorites? You know, for, for people who haven't gotten the book yet or, or are thinking about getting it, what might they expect in terms of what are some of your go-to, some of your favorites? 
I can definitely take that question. <laughs> so some of my favorite are obviously our Flipgrid, uh, Buncee, Seesaw. Those are really uh, great apps to start out with because, uh, for example, Flipgrid, we almost use it as a YouTube channel in our class. Um, you know, we, we kind of leave videos there in uh, Flipgrid and we can come back, we can come back to them. We can also uh, app smash into Flipgrid also without out of Flipgrid. Um, so it's a really great and versatile tool. It's very easy for the kids to use. It's also easy for educators to use. So uh, if you're looking to take Flipgrid to the next level, if you're just starting, uh, there's definitely some guides and, and some how-tos on how to do that in the book. Uh, some of our favorite lessons uh, that are a little bit more intricate are also in there. Uh, one of the ones that we often get asked about is the one, the lesson that I did where I was trapped in a video game. Uh, it was an app smash between Apple Clips and then into Flipgrid. And so uh, we go step by step, show you how you can actually put yourself in a video game scene and then uh, smash that into Flipgrid. And then what you can do is share that with your students and pre uh, present some type of challenge. So it's really great. Uh, also, pick collage, uh, PowerPoint. Kristen, help me out. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are in there. Oh my goodness, doing uh, green screen. We get a lot of questions on how to do green screen and integrate it in the uh, educational way. So we've got that in there. We have Thinglink, which is really fun. Uh, you said already said Buncee. We we tried to pick apps that could also be shared out because we're really big on the idea that if a student creates something somewhere and it just sits there on the computer, it's almost as close to being meaningless as possible. Yeah, that's great. I, I obviously, uh, you might have left out a couple, but that's a lot. And, um, you know, and, and I've seen what you guys are doing out there with these apps. Like you mentioned the green screening. Um, when I think of the Merrills or, or Joe specifically, I think of uh, the green screening where you made it look like you were a ghost and just your glasses were floating around. That was pretty yes. awesome. I, I liked I liked watching that. That was funny. That, that particular lesson is in the book. <laughs> nice. So um, on the flip side, I'm wondering uh, if it's in the book or even if it's not if you could just speak to like how to make learning interactive without so much tech go ahead Kristen yeah so uh, to me interaction is like the definition of interaction in a simplified form is being re reactive and responsive to someone else so an interactive classroom without technology is little things like when the kids come in every day greeting them by their names you know, having a chance to eat lunch or have conversations with the kids, asking them what they're into and maybe pulling that into what you're learning about, having some inquiry based in your lessons, just showing them that you hear what they like and that you're able to put that in, whether it's how they're feeling emotionally, what they're interested into learning about and reading, but just having a way to be responsive and reactive to where they're at. I mean, it could be something more cultural, like, you know, the kind of picture books that you read and, and the things that you are showing, the representation that's in your classroom, um, but just really kind of putting them at the center of, of, of all the decisions that you make um, and then constantly going back and reflecting on that, right? Not just setting a, a plan out and saying, this is what I'm doing for the whole year, but kind of whether it's how you like it week by week or month by month, but just kind of coming back and reflecting on what you did and then making it changes and adaptations to that and then and continuing forward. And Kristen, that's well said. And I will say that one of the other favorite parts of the book for me is uh, how we talk about how we memorize all of our students' names prior to the first day of school. Um, and there's a little bit of a trick to that. So uh, in the book, you kind of explain how we go about doing that. So that way, when the kids come for meet the teacher, we already know their names. And so when they walk through the door, and we say, hey, Johnny, how are you? We're so happy to finally meet you. You know, the look on their face, <laughs> it just sets a tone for the rest of the year. And, you know, on top of that, too, it also really blows the parents away. And it shows that you really do care about their child. And so then that kind of evolves into that uh, interaction with, with amongst parents, too, which is also a good point. Talk to me and my listeners about Elevate Books. 
Um, Elevate Books. Where do we even start? Elevate Books is like the most amazing publishing company ever. Um, it is full of authors. We were just talking about this last night. It's got this repertoire of authors that are all based on being student-centered. Whether you're looking to go more into like Adobe programs or, or Google programs, or maybe you're just looking more not to be program specific, you're more into just inquiry based, um, hyperdocs, everything in that, um, Elevate library is all based on student creation. I'm putting students first, um, and really, really kind of testing that. Oh man, I'm going to, people are going to hate me for saying it, but testing that whole like teacher pay teacher worksheet vibe and, you know, kind of pushing that side a little bit and, and putting it out there for letting the kids to create and demonstrate their learning rather than kind of pigeonholing them into how they're going to do it. The authors are just so truly supportive that we're really incredibly lucky to be a part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I was gonna say, you know, it really goes back to Dan, your point earlier with taking the risks, you know, it really, all of the, the titles that I have read on Elevate and I have read a lot of them, I haven't read them all, but the majority of them really do focus and, and put that emphasis on taking the risk and, you know, just showing the outcomes of how positive the learning experiences can be. Uh, it's a great group of people. Um, and, and I can't speak highly enough of, you know, how, how we have worked with them and how they have helped us. Um, and the books are just absolutely top notch. That's awesome. And, you know, again, congratulations to you guys on the official uh, release of the book in terms of, of actually selling it. And then I guess your launch coming up at FETC. Um, you know, I, I noticed, I don't know whether it was this school year or last school year, but I definitely noticed that at one point the Merrills kind of became a brand. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was a, you know, it was Joe and it was Kristen before and friends and forth and Mr. Merrill, but like now it's all together as the Merrills. And I, I guess I'm wondering like, where do you go from here? So you're a brand now, you got a book out. What can we expect from you guys, I guess, down the road? Do you have anything planned out or is there anything more that you want to do here? Well, I'll be we, in my classroom. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We, we don't plan on leaving the classroom. But, you know, that's really important to us is that, you know, we, we want to be in the classroom and we love being in the classroom. Uh, we have great classes this year. A side note, um, actually, we have two boys. Uh, one oh. is in Kristen's class and one is in my <laughs> class this year. So it's been a really cool year for us. And uh, wow, you know, I think I knew that one of you had one kid. I didn't realize you both had both kids. We yes. do. Yes. Wow. It's been great, actually, um, because, you know, seeing, especially for me, because first grade is such a huge academic year and seeing the jump that, you know, comes in where he comes in from kindergarten to where he is at now. It's crazy to see that when it's your own child. Um, it's it's really, really cool to see. But um, aside from that, we'll be at ISTE this summer. Uh, we've got a couple presentations out there. Um, and who knows what comes up next? I mean, we're open to anything and everything. Yeah, we totally want to stay connected. And, you know, the Merrill ZD was just our way to kind of field how we responded to people. We do use our Twitter to share out the things in our own classrooms. And then we would find we get a lot of people getting questions and how to do it. So then we kind of thought that the Merrill ZD was a cool way to, to blog and to kind of share how we did the things we did where we're on our old Twitter. Sometimes we just kind of share it out. We do have parents sometimes that follow. And so it was a nice way to kind of separate. Here's the, what we do. And then here's the, how we do it on the backside. We just like to say, thank you so much for having us on because this is a, an absolute honor. You know, we've listened to your podcast for, I don't even know how long and, and meeting you in person back at ISTE a couple years ago was, was one thing, but uh, then actually being a part of the show is another. So thank you so much. Yeah. That was surreal for you. I remember that hot dog place. That place yes. was 
was was unique and it was the only place open to eat and so now <laughs> I think, yeah cir- that's true i remember that you remember and full circle now we're here talking about our book like it's never where i thought we would we would be two years ago and actually i don't even think we knew we were writing our book back then that's how far far back it was but i would say to anyone who's listening um whether you're interested in reading a book or not like to follow us on twitter or instagram we just love connecting with people. And that's something that we're really passionate about is, is learning from other people as well. And we love to kind of fill our PLN with such diversity and different, it doesn't matter what grade you teach or subject or, and you just to connect with us because at the heart of all this, you know, selling books has been awesome, but to connect with people and to, to see messages and things like that's what really warms our heart. And it keeps us going. It keeps us getting up every day and early in the morning and going into our classrooms and keeps us going on those days that we come back thinking, I did nothing productive today. Um, <laughs> and so we just love connecting with everybody. And we're really appreciative of giving us this chance to come on here. All right, great. Well, that's a, an awesome way to wrap up then. So my final question will be, how can people connect with Joe, Kristen and the Merrills together? So we are at the Merrill's EDU on pretty much all social media outlets. Um, and then if you are looking for a uh, uh, way to purchase the book, you can simply go to those places or you can go to the Merrill's EDU.com. Of course, you can always search it on Amazon and hopefully uh, one of those places will pop it up for you. And then personally, if you just are more into subject areas or, you know, maybe um, a grade level, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Friends and Forth. And you can find Mr. Merrill at Mr. Merrill's class. Beautiful, guys. Congratulations again on the book and all the success that you have had and will continue to have. Have fun at FETC. Thanks again for sending a little bit of that warm Florida weather my way, (laughs) at least just for this weekend. And uh, yeah, lots of luck to you. And we'll hope to see you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Joe, Kristen, thank you guys so much for joining me here on this episode. By the time the episode airs, FETC will be over. I hope you guys had a lot of fun there. If you're listening and you were there, I hope you had fun, that you learned a lot, maybe even got a chance to catch up with Joe and Kristen in person. Once again, their book is The Interactive Class. If you're like me and you care a lot about student engagement and really making learning fun, exciting, and challenging for students, go ahead and grab a copy of that book. Of course, all the information on the Merrills and their book are located in the show notes for this episode at leaderoflearning.com slash episode 61. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.